Leonardo steals himself, takes one last breath, and leaps. He leans into his imagination. He leaps into faith that there is something to this dream that jars him awake night after night, that there is something to this obsession, no matter how far-fetched, no matter how fantastical, there is something he needs to pay attention to and follow. The dream that jars me awake, that makes me lean into my imagination, lean into faith, is what it would take, what it might look like to cultivate a culture of welcome. Patterns of beliefs, arts, and ways of life that I want to welcome children into rather than protect children from. A culture of deep hospitality where human beings, where all of us are welcomed and nurtured into right relationship, where our souls are fed, where our households are cared for, where hardship is met with community-forming power, where God means the heartbeat of life, and the earth, and us included, is understood as the body of God. As Arif said so well, it feels rather silly standing up here and talking about such grand ideas, such foundational cultural shifts. But if I'm honest, this is the dream that's keeping me awake at night. As I enter the last third of my life, I'm asking how do we create a culture that welcomes and affirms the human soul? A culture that is in alignment with the ways of the Earth's living systems. A culture based on a core value of reciprocity where giving and receiving roles are exchanged all the time. How do we fly? I've been thinking about this for a while, but a month ago I really got on a jag about a culture of welcome. I was driving up St. Clair Avenue on my way home and I saw a, a new billboard and there were all these snapshots of people of every ethnicity, age group, and gender. And the caption read, this is what mental illness looks like. My heart just dropped. I understood the reasoning and the sentiment of that billboard, this wish to destigmatize mental illness and support people and families dealing with this life-shaping illness, my family included. 
but I found myself shouting at the billboard as I drove past it, if this is what mental illness looks like, if mental illness is old, young, black, brown, white, straight, gay, and everything in between, then we need to be asking some different questions. If this is what mental illness looks like, what is it about our environment that is messing with people's brain chemistry? If this is what mental illness looks like, what about our culture is driving people crazy? I write in my journal about this cultural shift from a culture of junk values and a fragmented worldview to a culture of connection, a culture that is life-sustaining for our souls and for this planet. Children and youth always figure prominently. I sketch this culture in my mind's eye like Leonardo rendered his wings. I'm observing different patterns of culture, like patterns of flight and scribbling down questions making notes on my observations. What part, what are the parts of this culture? What cultural ways of being affirm wholeness? Would I want to welcome children into this cultural pattern or do I want to protect them from it? This is one of the biggest questions. Would I want to welcome children into this cultural pattern or do I want to protect them from it? Is this pattern a wounding that is part and parcel of growing a spiritually mature human being? Or is it a wounding that breaks the human spirit and only the lucky are able to weave a whole life from the remnants? Rarely are my answers either or, or all in or all out, but there are qualities of culture that we need to pay attention to. Warmth, respect, beauty, expression, uninterrupted time, honest assessment, kindness, and most of all, connection. Part of my work as a freelance artist before turning to full-time ministry was teaching as an artist in residence. I would go into schools across the state for a week or more teaching students how to create music and improvise using a 12-bar blues form. Every year, I taught at a place called St. Joseph's Home for Children on Chicago and 46th. This is a home where children are placed who've been abandoned or mistreated by their parents or have been found walking homeless on the streets of Minneapolis. Every year, I dreaded going to that place. I saw little legs dotted with cigarette burns, or an arm etched with the words, kill me, 
Every year, I began with the same inner argument. Why am I here? This is an act of absurdity in this place. What good is singing in the face of all this hurt? Every year, I dreaded going to that place, and then I began to sing. I began to teach. I smiled a lot, to the point of looking like an idiot. I cajoled and sang out encouragement, oh yes. I would pray with my open and welcoming face. And then seemingly, by, by magic, and, and this happened every year, seemingly by magic, we were all making a joyful noise in a very joyless place. One year, a kid who would lie on the floor in a depressive stupor got up one day, somehow called by this steady beat of and he walked up to the snare drum and with a little guidance began to play with such acumen and finesse he astounded us all. The teachers started crying. They were so grateful for something, something that had made its way into this troubled soul. Maybe he had played an instrument before, I don't know. Maybe he just had a gift for rhythm. All I know is some combination of cultural patterns combined in that classroom to welcome his soul back into the living. I had to start asking, what is happening in this classroom year after year? that is achieving the same result, transforming a bunch of warring, broken, and hurting children into a singing, supportive, life-affirming whole, if only for an hour a day. Warmth, respect, expression, beauty, uninterrupted time, honest assessment, kindness, and most of all, connection. Is it silly to obsess about a culture of welcome, a dream that feels so out of reach, so grandiose? I don't know. I do know if we can't dream it, we can't live into it. And I am heartened by a passage from Alice in Wonderland. This one's holding, I'm holding on to this one. Alice says, there's no use trying, one can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, responds the queen. When I was your age, I always did it for a half an hour a day. 
Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. <laughs> Friends, what is it that jars you awake? What do you dream, no matter how far-fetched, no matter how fantastical? Steal yourselves. Take one last breath and leap. May it be so, and amen. <laughs>